Well, it's another Father's Day here at Cedar Street Baptist Church, and every time the calendar turns to Father's Day, if there's one word that I continually think about when I think about fathers is the word advice. Over the years, we've gotten some good advice from our fathers. (laughs) We've probably gotten some not-so-good advice from our fathers. So the question that I want to ask you is something to think about. What is the most important thing that you learned from your father? Okay? What is the most important thing that you learned from your father? All right? I scoured the internet and looked at a bunch of different things, and uh, I came up with what I thought were the top 10 memorable bits of advice from fathers to children. Some of these are good pieces of advice. Some of these are not so good pieces of advice, but they're all quite memorable in some way. These are not my words of advice, so no one leave the church today and say the pastor told you to do any of these things. All right, this is uh, maybe my not top 10 of memorable fatherly advice according to the World Wide Web. All right, number one, always throw away the box when you eat the last piece of anything. Number two, remember that a closed mouth gathers no feet. Number three, never date a woman whose father calls her princess. You're setting yourself up for failure. (laughs) Number four, marry a big woman. She'll give you a shade in the summer and warmth in the winter. (laughs) Not mine. Not mine. Number five, if you want more money, fold it in half and stick it back in your pocket. Number six, if you're going to ever go to sleep in class, act like you're praying so you don't get called on. Number seven, remember that poor planning on your part does not constitute an emergency on my part. Number eight, when you're a teenager, make sure you get a dog so someone in the house will be happy to see you. (laughs) Number nine, don't ask your kid what they want for dinner unless they're picking up the tab. And number 10, if you don't have money when the ice cream truck drives up, tell your kids the music means they just sold out. (laughs) Gotta love fathers. All of those words of wisdom from our Father, some good advice, some not so good advice. But what's the, what's the greatest thing that you learn from your Father? You know, our fathers are our greatest teachers. Uh, they, I've said this before, and I believe this with all of my heart, until we come to understand who God our Father is, according to the Bible, the first idea or view that we have of who God is, is based on how we see our earthly fathers. And for some of you, you were given a great head start. You were given a a godly father in your home who showed you many godly attributes. So when it came time for you to open the Bible, you were reading exactly what you saw every week in your household. And praise God for godly fathers. For some of you, it may be the exact opposite. You did not have a godly father in your house. And so coming to faith in Jesus Christ meant you had to completely change the way that you thought of fathers. Because of your earthly father, you thought maybe your heavenly father was not someone who could be trusted. He was not someone who was ever going to be around. But yet, as you've come to read in the scriptures, we have a heavenly father who is always there, who will never leave us nor forsake us. Praise the Lord for that. So as we open up the scriptures today, here's what I want to say. Here's the big idea that I want us to get. Only fathers who fear the Lord have something of eternal value to share with their children. I'll say it again. Only fathers who fear the Lord have something of eternal value 
to share with their children. We have a lot of advice. We have a lot of things that we teach and share with our kids. But those who fear the Lord, the fathers who've put their trust and their faith in the one true God, they've got something eternal that they can share with their family. So if you have a Bible, please turn with me to the book of Proverbs. Okay, almost right smack in the middle of the Bible or close to it. All right, if you don't have a Bible with you today, you can grab a pew Bible and turn to page 638. Okay, page 638 in your pew Bibles. We're going to be looking at Proverbs chapter 14, just one verse, verse 26. And if you would stand at this time, out of the reverence of the reading of God's holy, infallible, inerrant word. Again, we're in Proverbs chapter 14, and we'll be looking just at verse 26. Hear the word of the Lord in Proverbs 14, 26. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence and his children will have a refuge. Let us pray together. Oh, Heavenly Father, we do love you. And Father, we thank you that you have given us fathers who have feared your holy name. And out of that fear, they have worshipped you rightly and taught us to do the same. Father, I pray in our time here this morning as we consider the truth of your word, help us to understand the blessing that comes from a father who fears you, a father who worships you, and a father who leads their families to do the very same thing. Be with us now as we open up your word, open up our hearts and minds to receive it, that we may respond to it in repentance and faith in your son. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And again, God's people said, amen. Amen. Please be seated. In our short time, as we uh, head through the scriptures here this morning, I want to make what I think are three pretty strong points according to this passage and other passages in Scripture that tell us the blessing of a father who fears the Lord. Of a father who fears the Lord. Again, we're going to walk through this in a minute, but there are fathers who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ who on this side of heaven are good fathers who take their children aside and teach them all type of things, who may be good financial providers, who may be strong emotional leaders. Yet what we are going to consider is what's the difference between a father who knows and follows the Lord Jesus Christ versus a father who doesn't. And through those contrasts, I want to make three points about a father who fears the Lord. All right, the first of those three points that I'd like to make is this. Number one, a father who fears the Lord has an eternal wisdom worth learning from. All right, a father who fears the Lord has an eternal wisdom worth learning from. All right, the very beginning of verse uh, verse 26 says, In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence. Starting off with fear, that's what the book of Proverbs does. In fact, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So basically what that means is this. Anything that's true or right about reality starts with understanding God. And when you understand God, your natural reaction is to fear him. Now, let me make a clear distinction about the word fear, because I think it's misunderstood. All right. We live in a society in 2017 where the baby boomer generation moving on to the generation X and now even into the millennials, we have this tendency to completely erase the idea of fear and just say, God is love. God is love. God is love. And all that's true. God is love. But it is a good thing to fear God. It's not a bad thing. 
All right, because the type of fear the Bible talks about is the only natural reaction that you would have to truly knowing who God is. All right, fear, as the Bible describes it, talking about fearing the Lord, is not necessarily being in the fetal position in the corner, scared to death that he's going to strike you dead at any moment. Fear, as the Bible describes it, is an awesome reverence and awe of his majesty and of his greatness and of knowing there's nothing bigger and nothing better and nothing more true in the world than the God of the Holy Scriptures. And when we know God, we do fear him. It's a trembling and awesome type of fear. The way that I often describe it is this. When you stand on the edge of the Grand Canyon and look out, there's fear. It's a wonderful, awesome, reverent respect for the majesty and the size of something that if you were to go too far, you would drop down to your immediate death. It's the same thing with God. He's so awesome and so powerful as the creator of all things heaven and earth that when we know him and we encounter him through his word and through creation, the natural reaction to that is to fear him, to serve him with trembling, and also to love him. Fear and love are not contradictions. They work together. I said many, many weeks ago, it's like the salt salt and pepper shaker. They travel in pairs. Don't separate them. They come together. And, And the reason that I know that is this. Think back to those of you in this room, and I'm probably going to go back at least one, if not two generations. Think back to those of you who had fathers or grandfathers many moons ago who were men that you loved, but you also feared. A good father will love you and care for you but will also drop the hammer when you step out of line. Will they not? We've seen the fathers that are all love and no discipline. And they get walked all over like a welcome mat. And I would say they need to stand up and be more disciplinarians in their house and stand up for what is right. When, they're, when you're children, you don't want to be disciplined. When you get older, you're thankful for all the discipline that you have. Well, God, the Father's the same way. He's love and his holiness, all wrapped up in this one package. And so when we know him, we will fear him because we know what he's commanded us, and we also know what will happen if we do not obey his commands. He is a God to be feared. And the Bible says in Proverbs 1, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, which means when you finally fear God, you're putting everything else in place. He's the first, the best, the most important thing in your life. And once you get God on the throne in your life where he belongs, everything else follows suit. And that's why a father who fears the Lord has eternal wisdom worth worth learning from, worth sharing. All right, fearing God helps us to understand who he really is. Fearing God helps us to have a true sense of what is real. And fearing God leads us to wisdom that's worth sharing with others. Now, what type of wisdom am I talking about? Again, there are fathers who don't know Jesus. There are fathers who've never been saved, fathers who don't read the scriptures, who don't come to church, who don't follow the Lord. And in the earthly terms, they could and might still be good fathers. Earthly wisdom, they may pass down to their children. They may teach their children how to change a tire, tie a tie, use a grill, shave, fish, hunt, throw football, balance a checkbook. All these things have value. I don't want to devalue them at all. And a good father will teach his children how to do these things. But when you die and you stand before the father at the throne and you take up an account of what you've done and not done in your life, those things are not going to be as important. But what is going to be important? 
Not earthly wisdom, but eternal wisdom. Eternal wisdom is how to pray, how to read Scripture, how to listen to God, how to be obedient to God, how to lead others to the Lord, and how to live in this relationship with the Lord where He's changing you through the Holy Spirit every day to make you more like Jesus Christ. The fathers who are teaching their children these things, you are giving your children eternal wisdom that will last forever. To the fathers in this room, it's not a do as I say, not as I do. I'm going to say do as I say because I just haven't done it yet. I have a seven-month-old, okay? So I'm not telling you how to do it. I'm learning. But I will say this. Our responsibilities as fathers and as husbands is to lead our family to the Lord that they would be closer to Christ having lived with us and been under our guidance and shepherding. And I'm going to be honest with you. I can only speak for myself. I've learned a lot more through failure than I have through success, but at least fearing God, you're still moving in the right direction. You're still moving on a Godward path. When you do that for your children, you're giving them something that will last forever and ever and ever. So number one, a father who fears the Lord has an eternal wisdom worth learning from. But number two, a father who fears the Lord has an eternal rock worth standing on. All right, another passage that really points us to this, of, co- of course, uh, the second part of 1426 says that one has strong confidence. Well, the other parts of Scripture, like Psalm 40, verses 1 through 2, tell us what that confidence is. It says in, in Psalm 40, verse 1 through 2, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock making my steps secure. Here's something that everybody in this room already knows. Your life is going to be filled with chaos because you live in a broken world. I said it weeks ago, for those visiting, maybe the first time you'll hear this. In this world, you're either coming out of the storm, you're going in the storm, or right now you're smack dab in the middle of the storm. And don't think, fathers, don't think in the middle of whatever storm you're experiencing in your life, do not think that your children or your grandchildren are not noticing how you respond to it. Because when we are in desperate measures, every single one of us responds in a certain way. And can I tell you the prominent way in America for men to respond that are not believers in Jesus Christ and maybe even some who are, we try to get distracted and numb the pain. All right? The greatest drug on earth is television. When we're struggling, we get on a TV and we channel surf until we can numb the pain and forget about it altogether, have a gallon of Ben and Jerry's ice cream, and just set the alarm clock for tomorrow and be done with it. For others, it's work. America is also the most overworked country in the world. So what do we do when we're, we're in the middle of tragedy or in the middle of something really desperate in our lives? We stay at the office longer. And we get to the office earlier. And we put our nose in the book and we grind it out as long as we can to try to numb the pain and forget what it is that we're struggling with in our lives. But godly men who open up the Scriptures, godly men who get on their knees in front of their families, godly men who confess sin to their spouses and confess sin to their own children, admitting where they're wrong and asking God to help them, godly men who pray not just for God to bless the bread on the table, but to bless the family. Those are men that are teaching their children that there's a rock that you can stand on when you are in the storm. Because the storm's coming, but the storm's also going. 
But the rock that you stand on, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, will last forever. It's a rock worth standing on. And for the fathers in this room, let them see you stand on that rock. Yeah, we watch TV. Yeah, we work hard. All those things that we do from time to time. But don't let them see you go to that when you're in the midst of struggle. Let them see you go to your knees. Let them see you go to the Word. Let them see you go to their bedroom late at night and get on your knees and actually talk to them and ask their forgiveness if you lost your temper with them. Go and seek them and show them that you stand on a rock that you will not be moved because your faith belongs in something unmovable, the Lord Jesus Christ. Standing on this rock, by the way, helps us to respond to the wisdom that we share with our kids. All right, you teach them to follow Jesus But when you're in the midst of a storm, you show them how to follow Jesus. You show them what it is to place your faith in in the Lord and say, you know what? I've been here before. God will provide. I don't know how we're going to make it through this month, but God's going to do something amazing. I don't know why this is happening to me right now. I don't know why I lost my job, or I don't know why this person's doing this. I don't know why, but I do know I stand on a rock, that I have a purpose, and that God will carry me through this. Let your kids hear that and let them see that. We got a, we got a rock worth standing on. So, Again, a father who fears the Lord has an eternal wisdom worth learning from, has an eternal rock worth standing on. And number three, and finally, a father who fears the Lord has an eternal heritage worth passing down. An eternal heritage worth passing down. There is a, uh, a passage in, in Psalm 61.5 that blesses my heart. It works perfectly with what we're talking about here this morning. And it says this, Psalm 61.5, For you, O God, have heard my vows... You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Let me tell you something I know, having lived in South Georgia off and on since 1998. Heritage is really important in this part of the world. And I'm grateful for that. You know, on Wednesday nights, uh, we've been going through the study of a praying life. We've been talking about different things about prayer. Sometimes how prayer can be really distracting. Sometimes how it's hard to see God as a father, but also see him as, as creator. And, and, and how do we pray? And I said, one of the things that blesses my heart is when I, it was when I see a young man come forward to pray. We've had some teenagers sometimes act as ushers to take up the offering. And I'll hear a young man at the front here echoing words that he heard from his father. Now, I hope that's not the only prayer he prays, that he, that he has his own personal relationship with God, and that when he gets in his prayer closet, he can talk to his father in his own intimate way. But I love hearing these words that they probably one day heard their grandfather pray, and that they heard their father pray, and now that they're praying themselves. Words like, Lord, forgive us where we fail you. Bless the gift and the giver. All these things that we hear from generation to generation. It's a mantle that we pass down, and it's a wonderful thing to celebrate. Heritage is important. Heritage is something to be cherished. I think about in my own life. There is a heritage apart from faith. You know, I I praise the Lord that my father has come to faith, and now we're able to share that later in life. But when I was younger, one heritage that my father did give me was Philadelphia sports. In fact, when I was uh, eight years old, this would have been September of 1988, my father took me to the Philadelphia Eagles home opener against the Cincinnati Bengals, and we sat in the 700 level at Veterans Stadium, which I know at least a few people in this room know is not the safest place to take an eight-year-old. 
In fact, as I sat there, a guy who was sitting behind me had a carrier full of beer and he tripped and fell and it poured all over me. And I started crying and my father smiled and said, son, you've been baptized. You're a Philadelphia sports fan. (laughs) So I've received more than one baptism in my life. And throughout the years, my my father has uh, blessed my heart. We've had this wonderful bond through sports. Uh, back in 1991, left-hander on the Phillies named Terry Mulholland threw a no-hitter. My dad came to my bedroom uh, with about two outs in the eighth inning and woke me up and said, you got to watch the end of this game. And it should have been a perfect game, but third baseman Charlie Hayes had a fielding error in the fourth. I'm still upset about that. Uh, I, I remember my father, again, taking me to many different Eagles games. One time we went uh, to the first playoff game in years back in 2000 at, uh, on New Year's Eve. We took the train in and watched the Eagles stomp the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Sorry if there are any Buccaneer fans in here. And I remember driving home in 2008 to watch the Phillies uh, win the World Series. My father, my brother, and I, we were inside in his living room. And when, the, when they had that final out, we jumped all over each other like we were in the locker room with the players themselves. And my father said this to me a few years ago when I was talking about my desire to be a father. He said to me, Bo, I've given you the heritage of our, of our fandom in Philadelphia. I've given you the heritage of all the thousands of games that we've watched, that I watch with Pop-Up, that you watch with me, and now you'll watch with your children. And I praise God for that. That's a wonderful heritage. But it's not the most important. There's something more important than handing down the mantle of being a sports fan. Those things are enjoyable. They're to be cherished. They're a gift from God. But what heritage is most important? What it says in Psalm 61.5, that we are given the heritage of those who fear your name. The best thing that you could possibly do if you're a father is hand down the heritage of being a God-fearing man so that you have a God-fearing family to follow you. I told Ashley this the other day. I haven't decided if we're going to do this just yet, but if we are, Brother Dwayne, I'll be giving you a phone call. I told her the other day, I said, I just feel like we need, we need to make a statement that we're going to live in Metter, Georgia the rest of our lives. I'm going to call Dwayne Tucker and I'm going to buy a plot at Lake Church Cemetery and I'm going to buy my headstone right now and just put it in the dirt and say, this is, where we're, this is where we're raising our family. And we still might, I don't know. I don't have that kind of disposable income right now, so we'll wait and see what happens. <laughs> but stop and think for a moment, all right? I, I do a lot of funerals in this line of work. And I go a lot of times to Lake Church and I walk past tombstone after tombstone after tombstone. And there I see heritage after heritage after heritage. When people in this community hear your name, what's the first thing they think about? Right now when they think full genetic, they probably think, I don't know how to quite pronounce that. (laughs) Hopefully 20, 30, 40 years from now, it'll roll a little bit easier off the tongue. It takes a while. But my prayer would be 20, 30, 40 years from now, when people see full Gennetti, they think Jesus Christ. And I pray the same for all of you. That when they see you, they think of him. That you fear God and you fear him in such a way that your children have received that gift of faith from you. Ultimately from the the earth, the heavenly father, but through the earthly father. You've passed down this mantle, this heritage of fearing the Lord. So that when people in this community say your name, they cannot help but think of Jesus Christ. You know, we, we, we celebrated the life of Rusty Beasley this week. Not one sentence out of the mouth of those who knew and loved Rusty, not one sentence did not Jesus Christ continue on in that statement. 
What a humble man of God who just loved Jesus. He had a heritage connected to Jesus Christ. I remember seeing him all the time on Sunday afternoons after service. Of course, he was very faithful to uh, Johnny Beasley's church here in town. And they'd all, this whole family would go to lunch together. And that boy loved his mama. Loved his mama. There was a heritage there. A heritage of, I love my family, I love the Lord Jesus Christ, and there's such a connection there, never the two shall be separated. That is a heritage of someone who fears the Lord. Let us hand that down to our children, and let us hand that down to our grandchildren. It is a wonderful heritage. It is a heritage worth passing down. So let's sum all this up. Let's put this together. And one strong summary statement for us as we prepare to exit out of the doors here this morning. If I could sum it all up, I would say this. Fathers who fear the Lord have eternal value because their lives point us to an eternal Savior, Jesus Christ. If your children never learn all those earthly bits of wisdom that I mentioned earlier, if they never learn how to change a tire, if they never learn how to tie a tie, if they never learn how to shave properly... (laughs) If they, if they never learn how to use a buzzsaw, if they never learn how to iron their clothes, if they never learn how to balance a checkbook, if the rest of their lives here on this earth are so disorganized and yet their hearts belong to Jesus Christ, you've done your job as a father. You have done your job. Because it's not a thing that's, that's what people don't understand about the Christian faith. I've got many friends of other faiths who, who all want to say there's, there's so many different ways to God. None of us is any better or different than another. We're just all pursuing God in a different way. But the Christian faith is different because we're not following a thing. We're not following rules. We're following a person, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God who lived for us the way that we should have lived, who died for us the death that we deserved, and who rose from the dead, making a way from death to life, that whoever would place their faith in him would not perish, but have eternal and everlasting life. There's no other faith that can offer that because there's no other faith that holds that truth. And when you are a God-fearing father, you are holding on to a heritage and a mantle and a wisdom that comes only from knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you live that out, You're pointing your kids to Jesus. And there's nothing more important than that. Nothing more important than that. So what's our takeaway for today? As we open the doors and enjoy some cookouts and everything else we've got planned this afternoon with our fathers, remember this one sentence. Take this with you. Plant this in your heart. Let it grow. The best way we can honor the God-fearing fathers of our church is to follow them as they follow God. Christ. To the children and grandchildren who can hear my voice in this room, your fathers and your grandfathers are not perfect. If you follow them, you will sometimes learn by their example what to do, and you will learn by their example what not to do. All right, there's a reason that that I'm not one of the fathers that's going to teach my children how to use a circular saw because you don't want to put a circular saw in my hands. I promise you. However, We need to follow our fathers as they follow the Lord Jesus Christ. As they set the example and they stand out in front with their wives and their children and grandchildren all watching, living out faith in front of them. As they follow Christ, we need to follow them. 
I'm so grateful for our men's Bible study on Thursday mornings because there's such godly examples in that room. And as someone who is a a young husband and even younger father of just seven months, I'm following as they follow Christ. I'm learning and I'm watching and I'm hearing everything they're saying. And some of them are, are much further down the road, not just in age, but also in wisdom, also in godly maturity. And I want to follow them as they follow Christ. Let that happen in in our families. If you're a father, follow the Lord better than you've ever followed Him before because your family is going to follow you as you follow Christ. And if you're part of that family, if you're a wife, if you're a child, if you're a grandchild, follow them as they follow the Lord. They're not perfect, but if they follow the Lord Jesus Christ, they will lead you to the cross. And that's the most important place that you could ever be. Let us pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, again, we love you. Father, you have a name that is worthy to be feared and loved. And we thank you for the fathers who have gone before us, who have feared you and loved you well. May we follow them as they follow you. Thank you for the examples that you have given us through men who, that take, take the opportunity and the calling to lead their families and lead well. For those of us who are in this learning process, Father, help us, surround us with good fathers that show us how to do this. Maybe some of us haven't had that example in our homes. Put people in our place who have that we could follow them as they follow you. And Father, thank you just for the fathers of Cedar Street Baptist Church. Thank you for the mantle of faith they've been handing down since the 1960s. I pray that the faith of this church and the fathers who lead their families to faith in this church will carry on long after everyone in, this plan, everyone in this room is gone. Father, may you bless this church, bless the families, and bless the fathers who desire to lead them. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.